Well, good morning, church. It's great to see you guys. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. That's where we're going to be today. But I want to start out with kind of a bold statement. See, looking at the world, thinking about my friends, those in my, uh, in my social circles, and even just looking on the outside, I've noticed something. There are some people in the world that are just content with how life is. They look around. They say, hey, I guess this is just my lot in life. This is where I was born. This is how it's going to be. I guess this is just it. Now, there are others, and I think that's most of us, who look at things and say, this is what I want to see change. New Year started. A lot of us do that this time of year. We say, this is where I feel like their shortcomings is where I see where I can improve. These are some goals that I'm setting for myself. But even in that, if we're honest, we can be a little shallow. One of the first goals that we hear every year is what? I want to lose weight. I want to go back to the gym. And there's nothing wrong with that. But is that really affecting our day-to-day life? Is that really improving our character? Is that really changing who we are on the inside? See, this morning, I want to talk about real growth. And that's why I titled this sermon, Be the Best You in 2022. Sorry, that was hard to keep a straight face for. But uh, in all seriousness, I want to talk about how we can go and not just make these superficial changes, but really become somebody new. Somebody new. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and join me in 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1 and we're going to read through verse 7. It says this, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God has given you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to trustworthy people who will, also, who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruits of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. Let's pray. God, right now, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for this church. God, I thank you for this word. God, I thank you for the the responsibility and the privilege I get to speak on your behalf this morning. I pray this wouldn't be about me. God, that this wouldn't be about anything but you. That this year we would choose to put our focus on you. That we would be all in on who you are and what you want to do through us. God, I thank you for this and so much more. In your name I pray. Amen. In this passage... Paul writes about three different characters, and we're going to break down those characters, but first I want to talk about having a foundation and a lens that helps us understand these characters better. Because to truly understand what I'm going to say, it's important that we understand this. Our strength comes from the gospel. See, there's no other verse like verse 1 of the scripture to me where Paul tells Timothy, remember what I've taught you. Hold true, your strength comes from the gospel. You've got to understand where your strength truly comes from. See, now, every person is born with an intrinsic amount of discipline. Some of us are very, very high-disciplined people. This is me. Uh, the way that my parents teach me, like my dad, if I, if I do something and I mess up, he's like, you just got to work harder. You just got to work harder. Dad, I broke my arm. Work harder. Like, okay, thank you. That helps. And there, there's some of us that are honestly, maybe we're a little low on the discipline schedule. We're like, I'll be up at the crack of noon. I'll see you when I see you. If that works with my plans, keep it real, bro. Like, it's going to be good. All of us find ourselves somewhere on this pendulum scale. 
um, deciding how much strength we have, how much discipline we have. But the important thing to understand is that's great for normal day life, but for pursuing God, our discipline is always going to fail us. No matter how disciplined we are, we will never succeed on our own. See, our strength doesn't come from ourselves spiritually. It comes from the gospel. Our strength for following Jesus comes from Jesus because our shortcomings, our sins, and everything that draws us back was paid for on the cross. See, if you don't understand this, a serious thing's going to happen. When you stumble, when you fail, when you make mistakes, you're going to be so afraid that God's some angry person that's going to smack you down and you run away from him instead of running to him. Saying, God, please help me, help me. Secondly, we're empowered by the Spirit. See, by the Spirit, I can be all things that, God, that God's asked me to be. See, he tells me to love my wife, to raise my daughter, to handle my money well, to walk with men in relationship. And he doesn't just say, go do that, good luck. But he says, I'm going to empower and gift you through the Spirit, through the Spirit. See, only through the Spirit can I sustain what God's called me to do. On my own, I am falling short constantly. But with his spirit empowering me, I can do all things. So my strength comes from knowing that in myself I fail, in myself I have condemnation. But through the gospel of Jesus and the empowerment of his spirit, I can do all things. All things. Amen? If we understand that, if we see the rest of that through this lens, it's going to make so much more sense. Because I don't want you guys to think I'm giving you some motivational speech about doing better. I mean, I am. But what I'm saying is do better through the power of the Holy Spirit, not on your own. There's a time to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but there's also a time to rely on God and the power he's given you. So firstly, Paul tells you about the soldier. See, he tells us the soldier has one objective. This is going to sound super, super uh, mean, and it, and it probably is, and she's going to get me later, and that's okay. My wife has been sick the last couple of weeks, and I love it. And I love it. And I know that sounds mean, let me explain. But uh, me and my wife have this routine that every night we get together and we, after Thea goes to bed, we watch movies together, we watch shows together, and it's a great time, but usually we compromise on the shows we're gonna watch. Well, my, with my wife being sick, she's usually like, hey, why don't you just pick? I'm probably gonna fall asleep anyways. And I'm like, cha-ching. Like, here we go, quality time, checked off the list, but I get to watch what I want to watch. And I was like, you know what? Uh, Pastor Brent told me when guys hit their 30s, they become really interested in World War II. And so I really want to have my facts straight. So I'm like, what is the most authentic, real documentary style movie about World War II? So I put on Captain America. It's like nothing but straight facts here. Nothing but straight facts. And so I'm watching the movie. I love it. He's got the shield. He's running around. He's doing all this crazy cool stuff. But uh, something that was interesting to me that's actually... True is when they would drop soldiers in Normandy, they would be scattered all over the place. And so you would train in these groups together as men. You would have all these plans together as men, and then you'd get dropped into war, and you'd be like miles away from anyone else that you know, that you've trained with, that you have plans with, and things would just go abrupt. See, it's really easy to have a plan until someone tosses a grenade at you. It's really easy to have a plan until somebody starts shooting at you, and that plan goes out the window. And you're just like, what do, what do I got to do to survive? What do I got to do to get out of this? But the one thing that stayed the same, whether their plans contextually changed or moved, was their objective. The way that they went about their objective may have changed, but their objective always stayed the same. And so what Paul is writing 
in the scriptures. He's telling Timothy, don't worry about your plans changing, but make sure you hold true to the one objective. See, to be a good soldier of Jesus, we have to have one objective, to find increasing joy in him. See, the details of our life are going to change every day. How we do that is going to change every day. But a good soldier chases after the one objective. When I was single, the way that I honored God is a lot different than now that I'm married and a father. Those plans change. Those contextualizations change. But the ultimate theme of those things, the ultimate objective of those things are still the same. How can I honor God with my life? See, if we're not careful, the good things of our life can easily become God things. And not in a positive way, but in a distraction way. See, it says that the soldiers don't let the civilian affairs disrupt them from their objective and their mission. It talks about this idea of entanglement all over the New Testament. And most of us in our Christianity, we think this, as long as I don't do these things, and I do do, that's hilarious, do do these things, then my life's good. My life's good. See, but the problem with that, it's that's not a biblical approach. Jesus didn't just come down and say, hey, do this, don't do this, do this, uh, this, okay, on this side. No, he didn't say that. He said, be all about God. Find your, your identity and your joy in God. Yeah. And that goes a lot more than above just don't do and do things. If I just looked at my wife and said, okay, I'm a good husband. She said, why? Because I did all these things and I didn't do all these things. She's like, I, okay. Okay, that doesn't make you a good husband. That doesn't make you a good father. That doesn't make you a good friend. That doesn't make you a good father of Jesus Christ. See, what I want to contend to you is the thing that's killing you spiritually isn't morally sinful. It's morally neutral. See, what happens is we give our time to things that aren't actually wicked, but they're generally kind of a waste of our time. And they rob us of the ultimate things because we lose our passion for following Jesus and we gain passions for things that don't really matter. See, a wasted life is the saddest thing and a wasted life is simply succeeding at things that don't really matter. How many times have we seen pro athletes that are at the top of the game? People admire them all the time. When you begin to look into their, to their personal lives, it's a disaster. Michael Jordan was millions of dollars in debt with gambling. Tiger Woods, we don't even need to talk about that. We've all seen the documentary. There are so many athletes that find their value and identity in these things that they can achieve when it's really at the end of their life, they're gonna look back and be like, I've achieved nothing. Because those things ultimately do not matter. They do not matter. See, if we want the reward of being a good soldier, Paul tells us that comes from finding pleasure in the one who enlists us, to be pleasurable to them, to have them look down and be like, man, that's a soldier I can count on. That's a soldier that I find joy in. That's a soldier that understands their objective. See, here's something that's kind of simple, but it's actually pretty profound. We act and respond one way to people who love us and act and respond totally different to those people that we know that don't like us. See, we like being around people that love us. We love to be around people that think much of us, that trust us, that think we're great. But the quickest way I can find out somebody else's faults is asking somebody that thinks that they don't like them. Let's be honest. When you think somebody doesn't like you, in like 10 seconds, you've, you've already downloaded all these reasons why you don't care because they do this and they do this and they do this and they do this. They're kind of a scumbag. 
Honestly, is that not true? When, when we feel like people don't like us, we automatically look for reasons to devalue their opinion. But we love being around people that love us. We love that attaboy, you go man, you go girl, whatever it is. We love those things and we want to be around those kind of people. When we truly understand that God is the one that loves us, that thinks much of us, that sees our faults and still loves and chooses us, we want to be around him. We want to find joy in him. We want to bring pleasure to him because we love him. See, Paul changes from talking about being a soldier to talking about being an athlete. And he says something pretty simple. He says, an athlete should not cheat. If you cheat, you do not win. I think it's a good idea for all of us as early as we can to realize we're not as smart as we think that we are. See, just because you hang out with morons doesn't make you smart. It makes you the smartest moron in the room. Good for, good for you. That's, that's great. That's great. All of us, if we're honest, have an ego. All of us have an inflated idea of how smart we are, how great we are, how our ideas, our lives are better than anyone else's. See, this begins to cause in us this idea that if everybody else is wrong and we're right, then maybe God's wrong and we're right too. That God, that idea that you have, that's cool, but I think my way of doing things is a little bit better. And maybe we don't even word it that way, maybe we don't word it at all, but we show it in our lives. Let me give you a great example. Uh, when me and my wife get in arguments, the first thought that comes to me isn't, God, how do I love her through this? God, how do, I, how do I show you in this situation? How do I grow? How do I mature? How do I honor her? My first thought is, I'm going to pray for her that God would let, let her see how smart I am, how great I am, that she would understand that I'm right and she's wrong. And that's not right, but it's honest, right? That's where a lot of us come to is we are so tempted to decide that everybody else is wrong and we're right because I've lived on earth for 32 years. I mean, I have a lot of experience. I totally get it. It totally makes a lot of sense. See, we can be guilty of this even in our jobs. Can I just be honest? Even in ministry, there are temptations to break the rules. There, there are temptations to say the ends justify the means. In every job I've worked, there's always opportunity to, uh, to, to break the rules, to, to tweak the system, to find ways of doing some shady things so I come out on top. See, some of us, even this week, we're going to be faced with business decisions that we know are a little bit shady, but it has an opportunity to make us money, to promote us to do things. And he's saying, run like an athlete who's after the prize. Run like somebody who doesn't need to break the rules to win. Run like somebody that values God and following God above all else. Some of the greatest advice I could give you is get into your mind that you cannot trust yourself. And you need to submit your life to godly counsel and to scripture. See, now some of us, it's sad, our world has to burn before we really understand this. We've got to touch the, stoves, uh, the stove top before we really understand that it's hot. See, for the reward, he gets this idea of a crown. It's this walking up to God and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And God's not going to ask, how much money did you make? He's not going to ask, how well did you do in your job? He's not going to ask, how did you succeed so people like you? How many Instagram followers do you have? He's not going to think, how, how well do people think of you? He's going to say, how faithful were you? How faithful were you? Did you follow the rules? 
See, lastly, he talks about the farmer. And something that makes the farmer a little bit more uh, distinctive than the, both the soldier and athlete is the farmer has to be 100% dependent on God. See, the soldier can call for reinforcements, and the athlete can always take a protein shake. But the farmer is dependent because no matter what the farmer does, he can't make it rain. He can't. See, but Paul specifies that this is a hard-working farmer, which means that despite that he realizes that everything is in God's control, he's not sitting on the couch saying, hey, God, can you weed the back 40 for me? Thanks, bud. See, some of us, we're guilty of this religious laziness where we think we're being godly, but we're really uh, just struggling with these secret sins. See, some of us maybe in this room have even been struggling with things for decades. And you come every Sunday and you hear a message and you go, God, just take this sin away from me. Just help me out. Take this away. And we don't do anything about it. See, the farmer every morning, he wakes up at the crack of dawn, he gets out of bed, he rolls up his sleeves, and he pulls weeds until his hands are bleeding and raw. And then he says, God, please make it rain. See, now if it doesn't rain, the crops are going to die whether he weeds or not, but he's still doing what he can by taking care of the weeds. Some of us, we've been stuck in the same habitual sins, the same patterns our entire life. And it's caused us to be these nominal Christians that say, yeah, I love Jesus. Yeah, I'd like to do this or that. But we stay in the same spot because we keep making the same decisions week after week, day after day, minute by minute, decision by decision. See, I know what it is for my generation. Um, when I was in youth group, we got jacked up about camps and retreats and conventions. We loved going. Uh, our faith was very event-driven. We went from... This month we have this event. We kind of hang out for three weeks until this event, and we just sow seeds to the next thing because it's going to be bigger and better. And our whole faith became this moment, these high point moments. And I have friends that to this day don't follow Jesus, but they still talk about those moments because in between those high points, they never learned how to live their faith in the valley. See, it says that the farmer gets the first fruits of what he brought. It says that the farmer gets the first fruits of the fruits that he developed. If you cross-reference fruits, you're going to be pulled to the book of Galatians, and it talks about the fruits of the Spirit. See, I said that wrong. Sorry. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It says it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And see, myself included, we can be guilty of robbing this text of its power because we've changed it from fruit of the Spirit, you even heard me, fruits of the Spirit. And we do this weird, this like super weird religious game where we say, uh, I got an A on faithfulness, but I get a D in patience. And we, we try to like scale them and, and decide where we're at and where somebody else is. But it says it's the fruit of the Spirit. So you can't have one without the others. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. They come together. And if you disagree, I would love to have you tell me how you can be loving without being faithful. How you can have joy without peace. They come together. When we grow, they all grow together. He says that the hard-working farmer gets the first share of the fruits. Which means... And your joy is at stake. 
in all of this. Your joy is at stake in how you choose to pursue Jesus. See, in conclusion, I want to ask you this question. I wonder this all the time when I talk to people. At any real level, is there a pursuit of Jesus in your life? Is there a desire for Jesus in your life? And is there any evidence of that desire in your life? See, like I said, I'm not talking about some checklist of do's and don'ts. I, I, did, I did these things so I'm set. See, that's why Paul in verse 7 says, you need to think on this. You need to dwell on this because there's a lot here. If you have any real hope of pressing under grace and letting him transform your heart, you can't just sit on the couch and wait for God to do the work. See, you might leave this room and you might be motivated for a, a few hours, a few days, or uh, a few weeks, but it's the day-by-day -day effort that really sustains and grows our faith. See, this is, a, this is something that I was taught that totally blew my mind, and that's this. You are the accumulative effect of all your prior years. Everything you've done to this point has brought you to where you are now. And if you're unhappy with where you are now, then that means you're unhappy with all the decisions that you've made that have gotten you here until now. And so if you're unhappy with your life, if you're like, this is not what I thought it was going to be, it's not about I'm going to leave here and make one decision and that's going to change the trajectory of my life. It's if I make consistent decisions, it's going to take me where I want to go. When you're flying in a plane, it's really interesting. They narrow things down to the degree. Because if you're flying 300 miles and you're just barely off the path, you're going to end up in a totally different place than where you expect it to be. And it's the same in our life. If we're looking at this end goal and we're just a little bit off in our character, when we get to the end of our life, our whole life's going to be askew. If we want to end up at our goal, we've got to see what we want, see what character it takes, and follow that decision by decision day after day. Whatever moment this is for you, when you showed up here at 9.30, it's because you made the decisions that have led you to this moment. And whether you like it or not, today you're deciding who you're going to be and what you're going to do tomorrow. No one accidentally falls into godliness in their life. It's not a passive thing. So here's what I want to come back to. Sometimes as a soldier, we can get easily distracted. Sometimes as an athlete, we might cheat a little to get what we want. And sometimes as a farmer, we might think, ah, I'll get to it tomorrow. It'll be fine today. So no matter what you're desire is, what your plans are, who you desire to be, you've got to keep your minds and your affections on the gospel and Jesus. See, that's why Paul started that way before he even got into those metaphors of finding your strength as a soldier, finding your strength as an athlete, and finding your strength as a farmer, because it all comes out of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, my prayer for you this morning is that you would accept the responsibility that God gave you and you would set the tone in your home and on your job and in yourself. That you wouldn't wait to follow somebody else, but you would say, God, I know what you've called me to do. And the decision I make not only affects my life, but affects future generations. See, 
just ending, I want to end with this. I have no idea why people love being half-hearted Christians. It, it literally makes no sense to me. That'd be like dating someone with no plans of ever marrying them. You have all those problems, but you get none of the benefits. It's, I'm just being honest. If you come here and you're like, I'm going to half-heartedly follow God, God's not going to bless that. God's not going to pour his favor on your life. God's not going to give you influence. He says, if you can't be faithful with the little, why would I give you more? If you want God to bless you, it's not this exchange for good works, but it's this, you've got to be the kind of character that he wants emulated. Why would you shine a light on something that you don't want other people to see? If you want God to show you favor, if you want God to increase your influence to give you a bigger platform, you've got to be about God. You've got to be about God. Let me pray for you this morning, church. God, right now, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for this time of year that, as cliche as it sounds, gives us this, these thoughts and this resolution that I want to make some changes. God, I pray as we heard this, that we wouldn't just be motivated for a moment, but that we would choose day by day who we want to be and where we want to go. That we would find our strength in the gospel. That we wouldn't be distracted. That we wouldn't cheat and lie to get what we want. And that we wouldn't just sit around waiting for you to make it happen. But God, that we would follow you with all of our heart. Being empowered by your spirit and putting our hands to work until they are raw and bleeding to become the person that you've called us to be. God, we thank you for this. God, we thank you that you are so faithful that if you didn't even answer a single prayer from today on out, you are still so good. God, you've still done more than we deserve. God, we love you and we thank you. Change our hearts. Make us more like you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ty. Man, what a challenging good word this morning. I really like what uh, Ty said a moment ago, where he said, you don't just fall into a godly lifestyle. You don't just fall into godliness like, whoa, look at that. Um, I, uh, I own a set of golf clubs I got at a garage sale, and uh, I break those bad boys out on average, I'd say maybe once or twice a year. And every time I get to the golf course, I am baffled at how bad I am at golf. I'm like, why am I not good at this? And the more frustrated I get, the worse I play. And But but they should charge people like me extra for the amount of grass they have to replace after I'm done. Right? Um, it's just, it's tragic. But you know what? I don't just stumble into being an amazing golfer. I shouldn't show up and just be like, all of a sudden I came one day and I, I'm a scratch golfer. I don't know why. They're inviting me on all these tours and everything. Because I haven't put in the work. I haven't put in the, the discipline. All those things that are required. In the same way with cooking, I have no idea what I'm doing in a kitchen. I have tried to like surprise my wife with really special things. And she's, then she's like, you know what? That's why they have Grubhub. That's why they have things like this for people like you. It's, it, it requires discipline. It requires applying ourselves. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do our connection cards together. So if you can, everybody get out your, your phone. We're gonna, I, we love the digital connection cards. That's our favorite way to do it. It just zips right to uh, our email and, and we have it there. Um, let, let us know you're here. Um, we do have the paper connection cards as well in the seat backs if you prefer that. And, and when we take this morning's tithes and offerings, you can just drop it in the tithes and offerings bucket if you like. But in the comments section there where we ask for if there's anything you can be praying about, what's going on in your life, please do include what we can be praying with you about. Our pastors and our elders pray each week. Every Wednesday we have a prayer call at 6 a.m. and we pray for these things that are on these, on these, on these connection cards. But here's what I want us to respond with today. Where in my life do I see the evidences 
of my commitment to following Jesus? Where, where do I see those things? Where, do, where am I seeing those, those fruits, those things that Pastor Ty was talking about? And the second part is, where am I going to develop them? What do I need to develop? What discipline do I need to develop in myself to see myself get to where I want to be? To get that, as he was talking about, trajectory to my goal. What do I need to develop in myself? Because let me tell you, we need real tangible measurables to know that we're succeeding, right? We need to be able to measure and say, here's where I'm falling short. Here's where I need to be here. It's, it's like saying, it's like those goals where we have at New Year's where we say, I am going to eat better. And it's just kind of a general broad statement, you know, and that's like, I'm going to eat only three candy bars in the afternoon. That's, that's, we need a number. We need to say, I'm going to be shooting for this. This is my goal. This is what I'm going to be doing, the measurable. In the same way with our spiritual life, what am I going to be doing as I follow Christ? What's a measurable I want to do to follow Jesus better? All right, so, so everybody, let's take a moment. Fill that out in our connection cards. Submit that. Write it down. And then we're going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings, all right, before we go. Thank you, Jesus. All right, if those who are going to serve us will prepare themselves, we're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings. Um, I don't have the numbers yet this week, but next week I'll come back to you. We had an end-of-year giving campaign. We came to you and said, let's finish this year strong. Let's see what God can do. Let's hit our giving goal that the, the, um, the leadership had set at the beginning of the year. And while I don't have the final numbers in front of me, I can say through online giving alone, we far surpassed what we wanted to do. It was incredible. It was, it was a God thing. We, we have seen just vision coming through our church. I believe that that's projecting forward into this new year. So thank you for your giving. Um, we are excited about what God uh, has for us in this next year. We have, again, the ways to give. The envelopes and the seat backs, you can drop it in the offering plate on its way by. Um, you can text to give. Um, this, the way we text to give with our regular tithes and offerings is just text the dollar amount. You don't need any wording. Just the dollar amount in the body of the text. And text that to 84321. That's, the only, that's all you got to do. So $3 million to 84321, and it's done. Um, and then, or, or you can uh, go to nlcchurch.com slash give, and there you can do it the traditional way online. So those are our ways to give. Thank you for giving. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for what your word uh, gave us this morning. Lord, we pray that as we enter into this new year, as we step out, beginning new practices, developing habits, Lord. Habit creating is not easy. The good habits at least. But Lord, we pray that as we uh, commit ourselves to being all in, all the chips on the table, pushing them into the middle, saying, God, it is all about you. No, no longer holding something back for me. No longer having contingencies, but it's all about you. Lord, I pray that we would just see an, an outpouring of your presence in our life, an outpouring of your mercies poured out over our city like we've never seen before. And the ple- people we have contact with and the, in, in the relationships we have, that they would blossom because of what you have done in us. Us. And we thank you, Jesus. And right now we sow into eternal things. We, we give so that your kingdom would become uh, even more, even greater, even, even more than we could ask or imagine. And that Jesus, one day we'll see your kingdom come in its fullest fruition. When one day we see you coming through the clouds and we celebrate that you have brought your kingdom to this earth in its fullness. And we thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. And all God's people together say, Amen. Amen. Let's give this morning.
All right, let's stand. Oh, we're still receiving. Let's stand together this morning, church. Let's stand together this morning. Lord, I thank you so much for this group of people that are ready to step out into this year. I pray blessing in this year. I pray your favor on on this uh, this group of followers of Jesus. Lord, that we would grow together in unity as we read scripture together, as we walk together. Lord, that uh, this would be a, an incredible year of blessing. As we look back on the challenge of the previous years, we would see 2022 as marked as a year of blessing. And we thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray it. Amen. Amen. God bless you, New Life Church. Have a wonderful week.